Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this very special first episode of Top Dog Talk Podcast. I'm Harrison Reno of Top Dog Blogging, and I'm excited to kick off this very special edition of Top Dog Talk. So who am I? I've been blogging for four years. I started out as sports blogging where I owned a Texas and Georgia football site. I am a lifelong Georgia football fan. I have always expressed interest in writing, and which is why I started my website. At the time, it was sports blogging. Now, it is known as Top Dog Blogging. Just last spring, I changed my site from sports blogging to Top Dog Blogging. Now, I'm running my first ever podcast, Top Dog Talk. Moving into the Top Dog monologue, there's been a lot of breaking news coming out in the days following the championship game, player injuries, future suspensions, future NFL draftees, and recruiting news. To start it all off, there's sort of a dilemma at running back. Two of our running backs are questionable for the Sugar Bowl. As we all know, DeAndre Swift, who hurt his shoulder against Georgia Tech, then barely played against LSU as it looked like his injury was more severe than we all thought it would be. Next, just a week or two after the LSU game, James Cook was arrested on two charges for misdemeanor, for two misdemeanor charges. He had a possession of an open container of alcohol. On top of that, he had an invalid license. While this is not as bad as in years past, as when players have gotten arrested, it still does hurt, as now it looks like he could be suspended for at least a half in the Sugar Bowl when the dogs might need him most if Swift cannot play. That is all coming up here in the show. Now, moving on into recruiting. Potential number one class is inbound for Georgia. A very successful early signing period where 17 players signed the dotted line on the letter intent. This included one big flip, two big wins. This ranks Georgia second in the SEC currently, fourth in the nation, as they only have one five-star, 14 four-stars, in three three stars. Now there are two hard commits that have yet to sign for Georgia, who are both expected to sign. We have more news coming up on that later on in the show. Moving into the Sugar Bowl preview. Well, this is supposed to be the main part of the show. Here is just a little preview of what we'll be talking about as prey availability is already a big question for Georgia. We've already had a left tackle, Andrew Thomas, declare for the draft, and our right tackle Redshirt sophomore Isaiah Wilson has declared for the draft. Both will forego this Sugar Bowl and will forego the rest of their eligibility. Now, just I believe a day after these this news broke, Ben Cleveland, our starting right guard, his status is up in the air for the upcoming Sugar Bowl as he is facing reported academic ineligibility. This could hurt Georgia as Georgia will be having to start three new offensive lineman for the Sugar Bowl against a very dangerous Baylor front that has given up, has caused a lot of sacks, and this Baylor defense is nothing to be taken advantage of. Now the big question is at running back for Georgia. With DeAndre Swift potentially not being able to play in the Sugar Bowl, Georgia will have to look for other options. Brian Herring is obviously the first choice answer as he is the number two back on the depth chart. Herring is a pretty powerful back. Um, he's shown capable of making big plays for Georgia, but just has not gotten the opportunities like the other number two backs have that have come before him. 
Also behind Herring on the depth chart is James Cook, Samir White, and Prather Hudson, who we have more news on Prather Hudson coming up later on in the show. Now, the first three guys, first two guys, excuse me, are considered questionable according to recent reports. And also, Hudson has announced that he has entered, entered the transfer portal. Now, the big loss for Georgia is potentially the injury to Swift. Swift has been a dynamic playmaker for Georgia, as not only has he made plays running the ball, but he has made it out of the backfield receiving the ball. Swift's stats this year, rushing the ball, has been one, he has rushed for 1,216 yards, has seven touchdowns on 195 carries. That's 6.2 yards per carry average. Receiving, he has put up 216 yards, one touchdown, and 24 receptions. 24 receptions. Very good stats from DeAndre Swift. Against LSU, we saw his normal stats decrease as he took less touches, probably because of injury. He had two attempts for 13 yards running the ball and had three receptions for 18 yards. Now, Kirby Smart hinted at that he was healthy um, in the days leading up to the LSU game, but his stats and his touches and the film does not reflect that. Swift did not look like his normal self, and Georgia's play calling and game plan didn't look like what it would have if Swift was fully healthy. This is would be a big loss for Georgia if Swift does not return for the Sugar Bowl and is not fully healthy. With Swift looking towards the NFL and an NFL future, and potentially a first-round future, um, I wouldn't believe that he would want to risk that all to play injured in a Sugar Bowl that doesn't mean as much as a college football playoff game would have. Now, to make matters a little bit worse, James Cook, who was arrested during the short break, is probably facing a suspension. Um, probably just for the first half, but we don't know. Internal discipline processes um, change from time to time, and I think ultimately James Cook will be will play in the Sugar Bowl, but still, you never know. So for Georgia, we do not know what's going to happen. Um, it's all up to... DeAndre Swift, James Cook, Kirby Smart, and the university to figure out with what's happening with James Cook. Obviously, they're both two very good players who can make plays at any time of the ball game. Swift has 1,448 all-purpose yards, which includes two kick returns. Um, Harrion, you know, he's a guy that would be an immediate replacement for those guys if both of them are out. Harrion has 490 yards and six touchdowns on 103 carries. Receiving, he has 110 yards and one touchdown on 16 catches. He's a really good back that just hasn't got the amount of carries that I would have liked him to see. And I think this game would be a perfect time for Harrion to step up and make plays for the Georgia offense and show what we've all been missing out for on the past four years of his career. So there's a lot that needs to go down. I think this all will fall on the shoulders of James Coley, who is the offensive coordinator who has been under intense scrutiny throughout the season because of the performance of the underachieving offense that has not done what it, everyone thought it would have. The loss of his top four receiving targets hurts a lot. No one thought, and I mean no one thought, that the loss of Michael Hardman Isaac Nada, Jeremiah Holloman, and Terry Godwin would have hurt this team so much. They brought in George Pickens, a freshman receiver who looked like he could turn this 
thing around. He could be that dominant receiver. They also brought in Dominic Blaylock. Dominic Blaylock, who made plays. Not only that, but you brought in graduate transfer Lawrence Cager at receiver, who was that deep ball guy for Jake Fromm. He was that go-to guy. You know, he was the replacement. Like, he was the replacement of Javon Wims just a few years delayed. And we saw that in the play. They had an instant connection. Um, that Notre Dame game was the start of something new for Georgia. They found their guy. Lawrence Gager really stepped up that game, made some huge plays, and Jake Fromm built trust um, built trust with Lawrence Cager, and they looked like they could go on to win the SEC championship. Then ultimately, the South Carolina game comes up, Lawrence Cager gets hurt, and the Georgia offense falls to pieces. Which is why Georgia needs a strong running game, which is why the injury of Swift and the arrest of Cook could hurt this team in the upcoming Sugar Bowl. As we all know, it is recruiting, recruiting season. All the hardcore college football fans love this time of year because it's the time that all the exciting news regarding recruiting comes out. A lot of players sign, and a lot of players make their college decision about where they're going to take their talents. Georgia currently ranked fourth in the nation, currently behind Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. They already they already have one five-star in the class, Michael Sherman, who looks like he could get some immediate playing time like we've seen from other past five-stars in the past. Georgia still does have a five-star up its sleeve that is a hard commit currently that just hasn't made his that hasn't made his decision official. Broderick Jones, the tackle, offensive tackle, who could also be getting immediate playing time as there is two tackle spots open for new players to come in and start there with the absence of Thomas and Wilson. Georgia still also has Cedric Van Pran, the four-star center, who has yet to sign who looks like he could also be vying for some playing time if he is able to take over for Trey Hill, which I don't expect at first, but maybe Van Prank can challenge him a little bit and challenge the rest of the um, interior linemen. There was a lot of big wins for Georgia in the early signing period. First, we saw the big win with Arian Smith, the four-star receiver from Lakeland, Florida, who's played multiple positions throughout his time in high school. He's played quarterback, receiver, defensive back, a very versatile guy who looks like he has a bright future at Georgia as he can do a lot of things. He's um, returned some kicks and punts. I think he could be a big help on special teams. He has a lot of speed. He has a lot of agility. You know, if he goes up for those balls and he brings them down, he can run away from you. He can make you miss. I think he's going to be a big receiver. He's going to be a big target for Georgia, and I think he could be kind of like Nicole Harmon was, was just that raw talent that we all saw in him, and I think Arian Smith could be that. Now, one of the biggest wins for Georgia, and a big surprise, was the flip of former longtime LSU commit Jermaine Burton. Burton, the four-star receiver, signed with Georgia um, after taking a visit to Georgia during the uh, during the visit period during the visit period, right up leading into the signing early signing period. Burton reportedly didn't tell LSU about this visit, and LSU wasn't too happy about it. And apparently that is where Burton fell in love with the University of Georgia after that visit. He ended up signing during the early signing period for Georgia. It was a big win as this adds this adds four receivers to the class. Georgia also has Marcus Rosemey, Marcus Rosemey, Justin Robinson, 
as well to go along with those guys. I think this could be the infusion of a lot of talent at that position. As we've seen in the past, Georgia has been criticized for not recruiting the best of the best at receiver. And I think the season is a big eye-opener to that staff about what needs to happen at receiver. You need the best of the best. You can't go soft and not bring in the best of the best. You can't just bring in three stars and two stars who have a lot of potential. You have to bring in ready-made talent if you want to win a national title. I think Georgia is focused on that. Now, moving on, I I did mention that Broderick Jones, the five-star offensive tackle, um, had some news regarding his decision. It does look like he will sign with Georgia, but there has been news in the past few days that Auburn has been making a big push at him ever since the departure of former O-line coach Sam Pittman, who went on to a head coaching job in Arkansas. Um, Apparently, Auburn has been making a bigger push at him and has tried to flip him. While I do not think that he will flip. I think he will come to Georgia. I just think he's just looking over his options. I think losing a coach like that who's recruited you for so long, you know, can hurt your decision. I get that. I think it's human nature, you know, to kind of just step back after losing someone that you feel you know so well. Um, It's just, it's the right thing to do to step back and just make sure, you know, you look at all the options on the table. I think Jones's commitment to Georgia wasn't, based on Sam Pittman being there like it was for other commits. I think he actually wants to come to Georgia, and I think he'll be a dog. Cedric Van Pran has announced that he will be making his decision at the Under Armour All-American game. I still think he's coming to Georgia. I don't think anyone's going to be able to flip him. I think he is set in stone that he's come to Georgia. Although he liked Sam Pittman, I think he still wants to come to Georgia because he loves the school, and I think that's what you want. You want someone who wants to come to the school, not just for a position coach. I think that was a good move that Georgia has been able to retain its guys and not just not just bring guys in who wanted to play for a certain coach. I think that's it's going to be a big win for Georgia as they bring in two high-class offensive linemen to add to a, an already stacked offensive line class. Now we have some more recent breaking news as Georgia is rumored to be bringing in the number one class once again for the first time since 2018 as there are three five-star players that are linked to Georgia heavily in the coming in the past days. First, I want to start it off with the five-star running back, the number one running back in the class, Zachary Evans from North Shore, Texas. His team did play in the state champ- Texas State Championship this past weekend but he was not with the team as he got into some trouble with his high school team. Evans is an agile back who deserves the number one rating as the top running back in this class. And I think he would be a great addition alongside Kendall Milton. But like I said, he did not play in the team's Texas state championship game as there's a reported violation of team rules that he, he was sent home for. Um, he was a major player apart um, to North Shore's championship run. Apparently, the rule he broke was regarding cell phone use. Now, this was not the first infraction of team rules as he was suspended earlier this season because of another incident. Look into that as you will, but I just wanted to make it known that he is heavily linked to Georgia, as I thought for the longest time that he'd be heading to A&M, so I'm kind of shocked and taken aback that he is now linked to Georgia once again. I think, ultimately, I think... He'll probably stay home. I don't think he'll come to Georgia. I, I want him to, but I, I just don't think he will. I still think that AM's going to offer him everything they can. 
And I, I think, yes, Georgia can out-recruit A&M, but I think A&M just, you know, they're desperate for a guy like that. They're desperate to get a win, you know, and I, I don't think they can do that anywhere else. And I think this is probably the best chance they have at getting a five-star prospect, especially of, of the class of Zachary Evans. Evans did not sign early, but he does plan to enroll early, so that's very interesting. Moving on, I want to talk about Darnell Washington, the 6'7", 261-pound athlete from Desert Pines High School in Las Vegas, Nevada. He's a big athletic pass catcher who has shown a tremendous amount of potential at the tight end position. He's also shown potential to line up out wide and play a little bit of receiver. I think that's a very interesting thing and a very important thing for tight ends these days is to be able to be a pass catcher. Gone are the days where you need to be a blocker to be a tight end. And I think Washington is the perfect example of what a tight end these days. Um, he has tremendous speed. He ran a 4.78 40 time at the opening. Now, he does have a lot of room for improvement blocking-wise, but I think he is a dominant red zone target anywhere he goes. I think, you know, with his height, weight, and speed, I think he can get Georgia into the end zone. I think he can provide a lot of matchup advantages for Georgia, and I think Georgia, you know, they're starting to turn the corner in the way they use their tight ends, especially this year with James Coley. We saw him kind of use the tight ends in a different way, not really just as blockers or in his extension of the O-line, but as actual like an extension of the receivers. We saw Eli Wolf make a massive impact on this offense, just, you know, being a pass catcher and doing something different for a change for Georgia. He is linked with Georgia, Alabama, Miami, Tennessee, and Florida. While I don't see Florida as much, there has been recent rumors that he could be going to Tennessee. I don't know where that came from, but I guess Tennessee fans are happy, and they wanted to spread some rumors about that. So that is very possible he goes to Tennessee. I, I believe that Georgia is the favorite right now, and I think this would be a big win for Georgia, especially after losing a guy like Arik Gilbert, who was the other five-star tight end. Um, they lost him to LSU, so I think this would be a big win for Georgia this time around. He will announce on ESPN2 for the Under Armour All-American game. Next, I want to talk about the five-star cornerback, Kaylee Ringo from Arizona. He is the number one cornerback in the class, number one player in Arizona, and number eight in the nation. At 6'2", 205 pounds, he has a very long frame, who also possesses great ball skills, can cover receivers well man-to-man, and has an elite track background. Same thing as Darnell Washington, who he wasn't, he doesn't have as an elite track background, but that's that's a pretty big feature for Darnell Washington to say he was involved in track and field, and I think that's probably why he's so fast is because he has that experience. Now back to Ringo, um, some of his he does he comes with great traits. I think he could be a great corner, and especially under the leadership and tutelage of. Charlton Warren and Kirby Smart, a former defensive back in the University of Georgia. I think they can work with Ringo a lot. I think he has a lot of room to improve, and I think he has the potential to be a first-round draft pick when he does decide to leave whatever school he goes to and go to the NFL. One of the, I guess you could say, flaws is that he is very aggressive. He's a very aggressive corner. He likes contact. He loves the game of football, and he can be a little too aggressive with his opponents at times. Um, he's he can get a few pass interference calls just because he plays too much with the hands and gets a little aggressive. So that is something you got to watch out for, and I think that's something you can coach out of him. And I also think that he can start at any Power 5 program that he goes to. 
He is deciding between Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, Texas, and USC. There's been a lot of rumors about Georgia and Oregon as of late, as it looks like Texas, USC, and Ohio State have kind of fallen out of the running for him. Sorry for the technology issues there. I just want to finish up on Ringo. I believe that Ringo is now looking between Oregon and Georgia. Uh, I think those are his two best options. I think Oregon, while yes, they did win the Pac-12s this year and had an impressive win over Utah in the Pac-12 championship game, I still think Georgia should be the front runner. I think if you want to be a dominant um, defensive back, I think Georgia is the way to go. While Oregon is a good program, and I think you know they're a little bit of what people call like a, a gadget program. That's no disrespect thrown at them, but you know they do wow recruits with their jerseys and their equipment. And while yes, that is cool, I think Georgia is more a uh, modern, not modern, but well, yes, modern program, but I think they they wow recruits with their talent and their coaching, and I think Georgia can out-recruit Oregon, and I think Georgia is definitely one of the best schools in the country to go to if you want to uh, transition to the NFL. I mean, look at Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, DeAndre Baker, who just got drafted, the, who just got drafted a year ago, Roquan Smith. He's doing big things with the Bears, and I think Georgia has kind of made a uh, – has kind of staked out their claim in recruiting. And I think that's why ultimately Kaylee Ringo, Darnell Washington, um, and potentially Zach Evans will pick Georgia is because they see these guys that can to Georgia. And maybe they the, these teams, they weren't the best. They didn't win a championship in that time. But they transitioned into the NFL or are becoming really good NFL players. And I think that's what Georgia has done good at under Kirby Smart. It has made ready-made NFL players who can dominate at the next level. And I think if you're a young high school guy, senior in college, uh, senior in high school, and you just finished your high school career, and you're looking for where you want to go for the next four years, maybe four or three years, I think when you look at a school like Georgia, I think you look at their coaching, you look at their players, and then you look at the guys they're putting in the NFL if you have aspirations to go that far. I think Georgia beats Oregon in that aspect because I think Marcus Mariota, is by far the best player that Oregon has right now that is in the NFL and maybe all time. I don't know um, too many players from Oregon that have went on to the NFL and done big things. Um, and Marcus Mariota has done pretty well. Um, so I think Kaylee Ringo, I think ultimately he has a good chance of playing and starting his first year. Um, our two cornerback spots, um, first two on the depth chart are Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell. Campbell is a sophomore, so he does have one, uh, two more years of eligibility while Eric Stokes is a Richard sophomore this year. So I think Eric Stokes, he's another guy that has to make his decision whether or not he wants to go to the NFL and we could potentially see him leave at the end of this year. I think, uh, we'll have to watch see how he plays in the Sugar Bowl, and I think that could be the big decider. And if you remember a year ago, he had a pretty good Sugar Bowl. Um, Georgia's defense didn't do as bad, although we did struggle against the QB run. Um, our pass defense was pretty good. Um, we didn't let up a single passing touchdown, I think that's something to be proud of if you're Georgia. So we'll have to wait and see. I think Ringo will come to Georgia um, and provide Georgia with another talented defensive back, and I think it's going to be because of the coaching of Charlton Warren and Kirby Smart. I mean, you look at the secondary in the first year under Charlton Warren uh, coming in here and being the defensive back coach. Um, the defensive backs have been filled with depth 
and talent. Um, we saw some guys that got some playing time that we didn't think they would. DJ Daniels looks like a complete beast. Um, he developed really well. His Juco experience helped him out a lot. And I think under the coach and Kirby Smart and Charlton Warren helped him out when he got in the game that he was prepared. Um, you also look at Tyson Campbell. Struggled with injury early on. Came back and looked like he did at the end of last season. Um, he looked like he didn't miss a beat. So, I mean, I think that's really important. And you look at you look at the safeties, too. I mean, J.R. Reed and Richard LeCount have become leaders of this team. And they played really well this year. And I think if you're, you know, if you're a high school player, plays in the secondary or, you know, anything like that, I think you want to go to Georgia just because of how good those guys are doing at Georgia right now. And I think that's why Kaylee Ringo will be a dog. Moving into our final topic and our main topic of today's podcast episode, Sugar Bowl preview. Georgia will be heading to New Orleans December 27th. I'm recording this on December 26th, so Georgia will be leaving a day after I finish recording this. Georgia will be heading to New Orleans for the second time in two years to take on the University of Baylor, another Big 12 team from the state of Texas. Many Georgia fans have bad memories from New Orleans. If you did go to New Orleans like I did, I don't want to go back. Um, And frankly, it's because of the way we played. I feel that New Orleans and the state of Louisiana is kind of like a curse to Georgia. Um, Because if you remember earlier on last season, we went to Louisiana into Death Valley in Baton Rouge and got the snot beat out of us by LSU. So I think this is kind of like a redemption shot for Georgia. Um, Kind of like a second chance. Redemption. Um, A year-long revenge tour sort of way. Um, Getting back to this moment a year ago and kind of being able to revenge yourself and correct all the wrongs. Because if you look back, I was thinking about this last night, everything that went wrong in that Sugar Bowl game was kind of like a preview of what was going to happen this season. A lot of those same troubles happened this year. We had a lot of drop passes in the Sugar Bowl. We had a lot of drop passes this year. Our receivers and our quarterback didn't look like they were connecting on the same level, kind of like this year. So I think this is kind of a chance for Georgia to show what's going to happen. I think if Georgia can beat Baylor, I think that means Georgia has a chance to go win a national championship next year. And I know all the opposing fans are saying, oh, yeah, y'all say that every year. But I think Georgia has a good shot. We've been recruiting top classes, and our coaching has gotten better. While there is still room for improvement, Georgia has a chance. Under Kirby Smart, this was our third straight 11-win season. And coming off of a hard loss to LSU in the SEC Championship game, it will be interesting to see what the mental state is. It will be easy for the dogs to come out there and be sad and gloomy that they got blew out in the SEC Championship game by LSU. But it would be also very easy for them to come out angry, upset, and motivated to play better because you want to end your season on a good note. Georgia has a chance to do that. Now, it comes up against a pretty good Baylor squad that finished the season 11-2. Their only losses came to Oklahoma, a very good Oklahoma team who are who is in the top four, vying for a chance to play in the national championship. Oklahoma will be playing number one seed LSU in the college football semifinal. So this is a great chance for Baylor. Baylor lost to Oklahoma in the regular season, 34-31, in a last-minute kick um, by Oklahoma. Then they got the rematch in the Big 12 title game and lost to Oklahoma 30-23 
in overtime, a really close game. So this is a great chance for Baylor to end their season with a big win over a big program like Georgia. But I think this is an even bigger chance for Georgia to kind of finish the year off um, with a memorable, memorable note. I think this could be a big win for Georgia. I think they have a lot to play for still um, because next year you want to make it to the national title since you do that, didn't do that this year. And I think we still have a lot of talent coming back uh, no matter who we lose because even if we do lose Swift, we could get Jake Fromm to come back. We still would have Jake Fromm if he does decide to come back. And then you look, if we lose DeAndre Swift, you have many capable backs behind him that can come in and fill that void. And you still get your offensive line. Even without your two starting tackles, you replace them with guys like Caden Mays, Jamari Sawyer, and whoever else you bring in, um, maybe Broderick Jones. So we'll have to see. Georgia, the interesting stat here, though, is Georgia is 4-0 against Baylor all time. And Baylor is 1-0 in the Sugar Bowl. They beat Tennessee in, 19, in the 1950s. Um, I believe it was 1957 was the year that they beat Tennessee in their only in the program's only Sugar Bowl appearance. Georgia is 4-6 in the Sugar Bowl. The last one in the Sugar Bowl came against Hawaii in January 1st, on January 1st, 2008, where they beat Hawaii 41-10. A good win for Georgia, and some of you may remember that game. So we'll have to wait and see how Georgia does. Um, we will have to watch how this Georgia offense plays, because no doubt this Georgia defense is talented. And I know... People have criticized this defense for playing a bunch of lousy quarterbacks in the regular season, a lot of backups, and yes, you could say that, but the Georgia defense still played well against LSU and Heisman winner Joe Burrow. You can't take that away from them. This is a great defense, and I think they will be able to keep up with the Baylor offense for the first half. I don't know how they will fare in the second half because it will come down to how the offense plays. Now, the interesting note here is Baylor quarterback Charlie Brewer, who his two parents went to the University of Texas, his his dad went to the University of Texas, and his brother went to the University of Texas. Brewer didn't go to the University of Texas because Texas took Sam Allinger. So that's kind of been a motivating factor for Charlie Brewer, and which has kind of spurred him on this year. Um, and interesting thing is, um, and it's a little sad for Baylor fans and Charlie Brewer, he was concussed in the third quarter of the Oklahoma game, I believe, and his status is still unknown. Concussions are a very serious injury that can't be taken for granted because too many shots to the brain can kill a person. Brewer has had an impressive season. He has thrown for 2,950 yards, 20 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions on 20, 227 completions out of 348 passes. Obviously, he's a good quarterback. Baylor's offense has been very impressive. Uh, Matt Rule, their head coach, former Temple head coach, came over from Temple, went to Baylor last year, went 1-11, and then in just one year, he turned that 1-11 squad, flipped that record to 11-2, and this has been a dynamic team spurred on by a pretty good offense and a pretty good defense. And it's surprising, and I'm saying that about a Big 12 team, because Big 12 teams are stereotyped against for their really good offenses and really poor defenses. But this Baylor defense has racked up 43 sacks and 17 interceptions. Looks like they could cause some turnovers. So we have to watch how this Georgia offense will play. You will not have Lawrence Cager and Dominic Blaylock, or they are both out with season-ending injuries. Now, the person to watch for this game will be Jake Fromm, no doubt about it. Jake Fromm has come under intense, unwarranted scrutiny from a lot of Georgia fans 
for the performance of this Georgia offense. Many Georgia fans point to his stats as regression. Fromm threw for 2,610 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 5 interceptions. Well, yes, that is a regression from his past two years. I still don't think all the blame is warranted for Fromm. Obviously, there has been a lot of things that were out of Fromm's control, and he's tried to do the best he can with the things he has. And I think he has shown that he is an capable quarterback of winning big games for Georgia. This season, um, you know, many people will point to the South Carolina game as a game that was on him. I don't believe that was. I think there were a few plays that they could have gone the other way. Um, that one pick to Tyler Simmons um, could have gone the other way. It was a bad throw. And then I believe there's one more where it just went right through the receiver's hands and it ended up in the hands of the South Carolina defender. Now, the interesting thing is this Baylor defense has only given up 13 touchdowns, I believe, all season. That's impressive. And to make matters worse for Georgia, they potentially could be starting three new offensive linemen. With the absence of left tackle Andrew Thomas and right tackle Isaiah Wilson as they will start their training for the NFL draft and the potential academic ineligibility for right guard Ben Cleveland, it will force Cade Mays to left tackle. And then we really don't know who's going to start at right guard and right tackle. I believe that Jamari Sawyer will start at right guard and Xavier Trust, the true freshman, will start at right tackle. I think we saw Truss in the Murray State game, and he played pretty well. I think Truss has a lot of talent. I think he has a lot of potential, and I think he can win this job if he plays well and if he can win the job for the Sugar Bowl. I think that would be Georgia's best chance at playing a strong offensive line. I don't know the true health of Justin Schaefer. I believe he's a senior um, interior guard, interior lineman. Um, he could also play at that guard position if he is healthy. He's missed the last six games due to a neck injury, I believe. So if Schaefer's healthy, we could see Schaefer at right guard, Mays at left tackle, and then Sawyer, you could bump him outside to right tackle. Although Sawyer did struggle against Murray State at right tackle, I think Sawyer does have the potential and the talent to do well for Georgia. I'll be very interested to see what happens. Um, Georgia's passing game you got to get going. If Georgia can pass the ball and move the ball and mix it with a pretty good run game, I think Georgia wins this game. You're going to have to control the clock. You're playing against a spread team. Um, Baylor's a very dangerous team that can make you miss on offense. They run a fast offense. I've seen a lot of RPOs from them, so you will have to, you'll have to keep up. If Georgia can control the tempo and play their game, I believe Georgia wins this. But it's all on the shoulders of of the Georgia offense. It's going to be a daunting task for the passing game as you don't have Dominic Blaylock and Lawrence Cager who have rised above um, and played really well for Georgia. Dominic Blaylock came on late for Georgia, uh, came on late in the season and made some big plays later in the season. And I think he should have been the number one, uh, he should have been a top target early on, but he just wasn't getting the playing time that he deserved and he made up for it. They made up for it by giving him a lot of playing time in the end. So I think it's going to be hard. I believe the guy to watch is Tyler Simmons, the senior receiver. I think Tyler Simmons, he can make plays. He's shown with his speed, his hands, his agility. You know, he, he's a bit. He's been he's been a good special teams player, 
and Georgia has been trying to get the best out of him at receiver, and he's shown flashes. And I think Tyler Simmons will be the guy to watch. I think he'll be um, him and Pickens will be the top two receivers for Fromm this game. I think if Simmons and Pickens can get on the same page with Jake Fromm, I think we could have a very dangerous passing attack, and I think we can end the season on good note. My prediction for this game, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I really don't know what team, what Georgia team is going to show up. That's still to be seen. But I think Georgia wins this game 30-24. I think Georgia gets a late touchdown late in the game. I think Fromm takes us down and takes us down the field and leads us down there, and we get a touchdown at the end. I think it's a back shoulder pass to George Pickens to win the game. And I think Georgia's defense makes a few big plays in the second half to keep Baylor off the board. I think Baylor takes a halftime lead, 23-10, to 10, and Georgia comes back and rallies to the victory. So we'll have to wait and see um, if the Georgia offense can come together, put it all together one last time, and win Georgia a game. I think Georgia will be crowned the Sugar Bowl champions. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been so much fun record- recording this episode, this first episode of Talk Talk Talk. It has been so much fun, and I thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope to enjoy many, many more episodes of this. If you want to read more, go to www.topdogblogging.weebly.com. I repeat, topdogblogging.weebly.com. And also, follow me on Twitter at topdog underscore blogs. I repeat, on Twitter, topdog underscore blogs. Thank you, and I'll see you again here on the Top Dog Talk.